0: Holding up, Dave. I'm okay. We just completed the interview that people are about to hear. Yeah. With Tuck Watkins. Tuck Watkins. Actor in Dreamboat.
1: Yeah. Uh, solid, corn fed. Yeah. Uh decent. Yep.
0: So handsome. You mentioned Couple times as, uh, in, in the lead up to this, that you were kind of looking forward to this interview. Yeah. Just casually mentioned it. Yeah. A handful of times. Yeah.
1: Like every time I've opened my mouth. Uh, yeah. It, uh, it's everything that I wanted and more. Yeah. Yeah. He is, uh, He's an absolute delight.
0: He sure is. And, um, you know, yeah. we are, you know, he, he was in the Boys in the Band on Broadway, and he's in now the Boys in the Band uh, coming to Netflix next mm-hmm. year. And we talk a lot about that. We talk about his romance with one of his castmates. Uh-huh. Kind of breaking news. A little bit breaking
1: news. It's very exciting. You know, I'm going to, uh, this is how I feel. Let me tell you a quick story. Mm-hmm. Do you know Jancy Dunn? Nope. She's a writer. Um she uh, was an editor at Rolling Stone for years and years, and she uh, she did an interview with Madonna, right? Where she had to go to the Maverick offices, and it was a whole, it was like a profile cover thing, whatever. So she went and spent the afternoon with her at at, uh, at, uh, at Maverick. She said she had a really nice time; it was a great conversation, whatever. And then she went, like as she left, as she said goodbye and left, and went through reception. She was like, oh my God, I have to sit down. And she went and, like, there was a sofa and she sat down just to, like, catch her breath for a minute. And the receptionist was like, I'll get you some water. This happens all the time. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a natural. Sure. I, I feel that physical sensation. I feel right like now.
0: I should get you some water right now. Well, thank God I brought my swell bottle. Huh.
1: Uh, I mean, why even wait? Let's just dive Let's right just in. Let's
0: just get to it. For God's sake. Please enjoy, Tuck Watkins.
1: We're back with Tuck Watkins. Hello. Hi, everybody. How How are
2: you? I'm great. Good. Happy Thursday.
0: Thank you. And also with you. Thank you. We've been talking about uh, your role on Black Monday, which we're so excited about. And we've been
2: talking about Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah.
0: You know, just all of our best topics. Yeah. As
2: a a, uh, pretty far left leaning progressive, it's going to be a lot of fun to play a right wing conservative oh is that what you're playing black monday yeah oh wow are you channeling someone in particular uh it's hard not to look at 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 mike pence as this duplicitous i i I went to college in indiana Uh so when he started doing his stuff it particularly stung just because i I spent a lot of time there and i I loved that state and the people in that state Mm -hmm. so yeah i I, i've kind of got him at the forefront of of my mind uh-huh. Great. So, so we'll see that what happens. happens. That yeah. It all starts life. with fun and games and we'll, 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 see what happens at the end of the season. Sure.
1: Um, what is on your DVR right now? What are you watching
2: or is uh, there even time? You know, uh, a, I have a DVR uh-huh. don't use it because uh, I don't really watch TV anymore. My, my kids do. Right. I have kids that are, that are six and a half. I have twins that are six and a half and so they watch whatever is um it's on it's it's netflix so the answer is netflix mm. uh-huh. they just go straight to netflix they know how to navigate it they know how to get to that button they know lower left will turn it on the 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 center circle will will take them where they want to go mm. so it's it's kids programming
0: and what are they watching
2: they watch um my son and daughter both love there's a whole barbie series mm. Where it's not even Barbie anymore. There's not even a character named Barbie. A lot of them look like Barbie, but they're named Blair and, and other things. Okay. Um, there's so a Barbie, it's in the Barbie, Barbie, Barbie universe. universe. There's a Barbie universe, yeah. Mm. There's a there's a, a princess school. And, and, and I, actually, I've been having a, a disagreement with them about whether it's okay to watch that because there's this one girl who's really mean. She's like a mean girl. Mm. And I feel like I don't want my six and a half year olds watching this cartoon that's got a mean girl in it. And I think, well, as a dad, do I stop them from watching it? Do we talk about the lessons of it? You know, it's tough being That's a dad, really you guys. Tough. Yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. Navigating the Barbie world. Yeah. It's not so easy. It's, yeah.
1: Much <laughs> harder than our fathers had it. Yeah. Uh, so where do you come down,
2: ultimately, in that decision? Well, I laid down the law, and I said, you can watch the other episodes, but not that one. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, which was today, uh, my son said, I think you should know that she becomes nice at the end. And that stopped me. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, if he, if he can clock that and he yeah. can see that, it kind of took the wind out of my sails. And I said, okay. All right. And wow. I, I'm kind of into it that my son likes watching Barbie. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I liked watching Barb playing with Barbie. Did like you? Quite a bit. My yeah. dad didn't like it quite as much.
2: My buddy, Chad Clem and I, we melted army men in the backyard. We didn't really play with G.I. Joe or- uh-huh. Stretch Armstrong or or Barbie, but we, those little green army men, Yeah, we would hang them upside down on a stick and we would get one of our parents' lighters and we (sighs) melted them all into a big blob.
0: Yeah. Did you, and you never had an interest in any of the girl toys or it just wasn't an option? No,
2: it it was, I think it was there. I mean, my sister played with that stuff. I I just wasn't naturally drawn to that. I think that was, may have been part of the reason why it took me so long to come out Mm -hmm. is because. So much of the things that I liked and I liked to do were kind of like guy things, quote unquote guy things, and so I thought, well, if if gay is liking feminine stuff, then I must not be gay, and it, all that sort of stuff messed with my head for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you worked it out with some some difficult political art in the backyard. Yes, <laughs> melted yeah. army men.
2: Yes, yes, I did. I took it out on on America's military.
1: Uh huh. What did you grow up uh, watching?
2: Let's see. Where'd uh, you grow up? First of all, I grew up in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. My first—I uh, remember my first male crush was on Bill Bixby in *The Courtship of Eddie's Father*. Oh wow! Uh, and then *The Incredible Hulk*. Sure, um, solid choice. I, re- I remember really liking that show, uh, and I think part of the reason I joined the fraternity—I I joined 25 years later. At Indiana was because Bill Bixby was a member of that fraternity. Oh, <laughs> like wow. thirty years prior, to that. Sure. these are the kind of choices I made.
1: Yeah, and you would walk by the the portrait. Every sure. And yeah, sure. Yeah, I would see it.
2: Yeah, right next to Adlai Stevenson, who I think was a vice president of our country. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, Bill Bixby, a vice president. Maybe one day Tuck Watkins. Wow. Um, so yeah, I remember watching a lot of that. I watched Johnny Quest. Sure. I love Johnny mm-hmm. Quest. Um. I like Little House on the Prairie. Great. Fine choices. Uh, MASH. I loved MASH. Um, When we first got a VCR, what was that? Like 1980? Something like that? I was the only one who knew how to program the VCR. And I went around the neighborhood and I programmed everyone's VCR and I could make the clock stop, you know, chiming midnight. And I programmed our VCR so that at midnight, every night it would take Mission Impossible. And when I came home from school the next day, I would have a snack and I would watch last night's episode of Mission Impossible. Nice. Yeah.
0: Great routine. Um, who were the actors that you looked up to? Was there anyone that, you know, you sort of pointed to as your North Star? Uh,
2: in almost everything I do, I try to rip off Kevin Klein. Mm. Kevin Klein was uh, from an early age um, to today. I think he, he's just, I, I just think he's really exciting to watch. I like those guys that you don't know what's going to happen next. Or if if you don't pay attention, something's happened and you should have been paying attention. John Cleese was another guy. Mm. That's not to say that I've gotten to to do a lot of comedy. But I try to instill things that I learned from those guys into roles that may not necessarily call for it. And I think that kind of shakes things up a Mm. bit and more and more. You know, when we're surprised by the people we watch in programs, I think those are the ones that that I gravitate towards. Mm. So I keep going back to Kevin Klein.
1: Okay, first of all, went to my high school. Just oh, did you out really? Oh, yes, didn't you did. know that. I don't oh. know where, where is
2: that. I didn't. It's in St. Louis.
1: Oh, yeah, small Catholic boys' school run by monks.
2: Okay, yeah. what was that called?
1: Uh, Priory, St. Louis Priory. Okay,
2: because I went to Parkway West in St. Louis. Stop that! Really? Ha- yeah, um, and I, I, I knew that, and he went to Indiana. Yeah. Kevin Klein. Yeah, he yeah. was in the music department, uh-huh. which apparently had nothing to do with the theater department, but I didn't know that in, until it was too late. Right. Um, but yeah, Priory, I think, was, w- weren't you yeah. out in West County? Yeah. we were, It's a mile from Parkhurst. Yeah. West. Yeah. 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 Well, hi, how are you? I'll be down. <laughs> so wait, so when did you move to St. Louis? When I was in ninth grade, uh, my dad uh, bought a company over in Wentzville, Missouri. Uh-huh. And so our family moved over there in ninth grade. Stayed through high school. When my sister graduated high school a year after I did, yeah. my family moved back to Kansas City. So the lion's share of our lives is Kansas City. Six yeah. years was in St. Louis. That gotcha. was high school. So where'd you live? In St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was called. Uh, it was an unincorporated area of town and country. Yeah. Near town and country, uh, near the White Castle. Sure. On, on Manchester Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right down there. I'll be down. Uh, I worked at Steak and Shake. Steak and Shake was one of my first jobs. Stop it. Uh, me and Ann Otto and Maureen McCreary and Jeff Poole all went down there and said, "Hire us all, or hire us none."
0: Wow. And
2: unfortunately, they hired all of us. Yeah. And it you were was a union. It was a. That's great. I don't know if you can say shit show on the radio. Absolutely. But, um, it was it was that. I'm. I, I was terro- I was terrible at it. That would have been. Like eighty. Five, uh-huh. something like that. I would I'm forget a- to ter- turn in the orders. Yeah, and people would say, "Where's my food?" And I'd say, "The the kitchen's backed up." It oh, it, it, it did it didn't go well. God, my <laughs>
1: first job was the McDonald's on Manchester uh, in De Pere.
2: Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, Just up the road. <clears throat> well the DePare Four Cinema wasn't f- far from there. And our mm-hmm. phone number was one digit off from the DePair Four really? movie theater. And so every now and then we would get a phone call saying, What's playing? And my sister, who was <laughs> so great at prank phone calls, she would she would immediately switch to, Oh yes, this is DePair Cinema, but our movies have been stolen. But please come visit our concession stand. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's brilliant.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Head. So we were running yeah. around the same streets. Absolutely. You and me. So yeah. You know, was, yeah, yeah. Serving up the fast food. Yeah.
1: On Manchester Road. Uh, second, uh, you came into my life as Sapphire. Oh wow. In uh, in Get a Life.
2: Yeah, that was um, that was my, the first job that I did that I didn't get cut out of. Yeah. Um, that was a very uh, exciting show. Uh, Chris Elliott was so funny. Um, yeah. And I got to play his uh, his rival at the handsome boy modeling school run by Brian Doyle Murray. Oh,
1: Amazing.
2: Yeah, that was very funny. Um, and I remember at one point, David Merkin, the director who went on to do executive produce The Simpsons, he came up to me between scenes and he said, uh, Tuck, <clears throat> um, Sapphire isn't gay. And I said, Oh, I I know. I know. And I thought, what am I doing? What does he know about me that's coming through? Yeah. And, you know, put the, the, the fear of the good Lord in me. Um, but when I go back and watch it, uh, Sapphire was pretty gay. Yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Sure. He was pretty gay. He, he, he had one of those long dangly earrings that Rob Lowe had in um, St. Almost Fire. Yeah. Which I thought was so cool at the time. Sure. Okay. Yeah.
0: And what about these jobs before that that you got cut out of?
2: What was your first gig? My first gig on TV was um, three lines on growing pains Mm. and I can perform it for you real quick. It was towels here. Yo. And uh, (laughs) that was with Kurt Cameron and Alan Thicke. I was a trainer in a gym and all I had to do was show up and say towels here. Yo. And I couldn't hit my mark on time. Mm. Um, There were too many um, background people in in the gym and the, the director would get on the microphone and say, towel guy, you're late. Nancy, I'd say, I know, I just, I just can't get around. The-. And so I called everybody back home in Kansas City and said, I'm going to be on Growing Pains. Oh, no. Here it comes. And my mom calls me because, you know, it's two hours ahead there. Mm-hmm. And so they saw it two hours before I saw it in California. And my mom said, I think we saw you, which is code for you got cut out of that show. Yeah. Mm. But you know what's funny? I still get residuals for that show. Of course you do. And that was like 1990. So someone um, isn't doing their job over there at whatever production company that is.
1: No, but it's still airing,
2: <laughs> right? Yeah, but I got cut out, so I oh, shouldn't yeah. get residual. You were a featured extra, essentially. I wasn't even that. Not featured I, I wasn't well. anywhere to be found. I don't think it's on my IMDB page. Wow. But yeah, so I, I still yeah. get um, a reminder uh-huh. f- frequently that I was cut out of my first job. I was also fired by fa- from Saved by the Bell. What were you on what Saved by the Bell? Well, what kind of lousy actor gets fired from Saved by the Bell? Tuck Watkins. That's who. Um, <laughs> I think it has nothing to do with ability, having seen I, the well, show. Well, mm-hmm. I just saw that they're, they're doing a reboot of that show now. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that means I'll get fired from my three-episode arc again. Oh, wow.
1: Um, Surely Dustin Diamond will have a part <laughs> in it
2: somehow, right? I mean, yeah. have we... You, you, you think? I, I, I don't know. I just saw that headline and, and immediately just brought up bad memories of, oh, well, gosh. Sure.
1: No, what were you? What were you to have I, been? On I
2: I was show? to have been um, a college guy that Tiffany Amber Thiessen fell for, and I was told by the guy that played the principal on that show, "This is a very important story for us because it's the first time we're going outside the family." And I thought, "Come on, pal, it's a it's a, it's a comedy, right? <laughs> Relax." Um, and uh, so I uh, so it, they wanted it to be sort of a. They didn't want him to be like this treacherous, lecherous guy from college hitting on a girl from high school, and and I got that. And you know, if you look at me on the internet, I'm, I look like a guy from the Midwest who probably wouldn't be this lecherous guy in college. So it all kind of made sense. Yeah. And um, the director called me at home, and and he said, and I I, I answered on my you know brick like corded telephone back then. And he said, um, yeah, I'm, I'm calling to, uh, to, to let you go. The producers want to go another way. They, and I said, I said, why? He said, he said, you're lacking a quality that we're looking for. And I said, well, what quality is that? And he said, assertiveness. And I said, "Well, how's this for assertive? Well, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll, I'll I'll play it more assertive." You told me to be like guy next door, and not don't be ledger. He said, "No, no, no, no. I'm not saying we won't hire you again." And I thought, "I don't want to. Not, no, I, no, I'm not coming back." Um, so that was my that was that was my tenure.
1: Oh, oh shit!
2: With the good folks at um, Saved by the Bell, and you know it's funny when we were just shooting Boys in the Band over at Sunset Gower. Yeah, Tiffany Ann Bratheson has a parking spot oh, yeah. right next to my trailer really? over there. And I, I and I promised myself if she pulled into that spot, I was going to go up and very, just very nicely say, "Hey, I just wanted to say hi. I was the guy that got fired on the second day that that you were supposed to have the uh-huh. just to see what would happen." But, yeah. but I didn't I didn't see her.
1: Never got the chance. I didn't see her. Oh, well, maybe when is from Bomer
2: a, on that uh, uh, reboot. Yeah, on the reboot. Yeah, yeah. When they bring me on to fire me again, I love it. We have
0: Bomer on here. Yeah. Talked uh, to him about Poison the Band. We'd, we'd like to work our way through the whole
2: cast. Sure, so eventually.
0: Um, how did the, how did it all come about?
2: Um, well, I got really lucky three years ago. I moved back home to Kansas city because as a single gay dad with two little kids, I was completely overwhelmed trying to raise them by myself out here in California. I kind of thought that I would just plug my kids into my rock and roll lifestyle and everything would be great. Uh Well, those who have kids are probably laughing right now because they know that's just not the way it works. Um, so I, I moved home. Because I needed help. And my family's there. And they gave me a lot of help. And I was in a park in February of 2017, I think it was. And my cell phone rang and it was Joe Mantello, who's a a big deal Broadway director. And he said, we're doing a reading of Boys in the Band. Do you think you could come to New York to do it? And I said, oh, I can't. I'm doing a production of Constellations at Kansas City Repertory Theater. And he said, I think you should make it worth your while. And I didn't know what that meant. And I said, well, I've only got one day off. It's this, it's, it's Sundays. And he said, well, Sunday is the only day we need you. You can fly in, read it. We'll fly home. That'll be it. So luckily my day off happened to coincide with the day they were doing that reading. And we did the reading. And most of the guys that you saw on the Broadway stage, and you'll see in the Netflix movie next year, were at that reading. that reading turned into a workshop. Um and then they decided to do to do the the, the play, and um, you know, I've I've been an actor for like thirty years, and I've had to compete and fight for for most of the stuff that I've gotten. I haven't gotten a lot of offers, and um, this is one of the things that just kind of fell in my lap. And I don't know where it came from. And um, if you know the play, it's, it's about this guy who leaves his family because he just can't live an inauthentic life anymore. And he leaves it because he falls in love with a man. And I, th- I think Joe, I had met Joe maybe a decade earlier, but didn't really know him. And maybe he saw my um, Baywatch episode from the early nineties and thought, this is the guy.
0: He saw um, you in the background of that growing right, pains episode. And right. He was like, Where is he,
2: um, but uh, I think maybe uh, cause he was aware that, that I was a single dad and I have a couple kids and, you know, maybe he thought, you know, maybe he's got something that he can bring to the table. Um, cause I did have to consider what would it take for me to leave my children and I can't really come up with anything. So for that guy to have done that in 1968, I mean, he must've been vilified um, he must have lost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so to draw on that, I think maybe, um, that w- maybe that was one of the reasons they looked at me because, uh, I, I did have kids and, um, had somewhere to come from on that.
0: And how long until you realized, oh, this is much more than a one day reading.
2: Uh, w- once we did the reading and Ryan Murphy was there and some, the heads of CAA were there. Um, I thought, Oh, this is, this is more than, this is potentially more than a reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, but after it, every, Joe just said, okay, thanks a lot. Uh, see you later. And then he, then he called and he said, so look, we're going to, we're going to do this on, on Broadway next spring and we're going to have a workshop this summer, but you shouldn't come do the workshop. If you don't want to do the play on Broadway, I don't, I hate to be a pest. I know you probably don't want to leave home. And I thought, are you kidding? i right. have never done a Broadway play before. And, um, so I said, I said, yeah, I, you can be a pest. Um, I'm, I'm happy to do the, the, the workshop and, and, and come be in your, your Broadway show with that amazing cast and production team.
0: Did kids go with you?
2: Yes, they York? did. Uh, my friend Jane um, came and she uh, played nanny for us. We um, believe it or not, the, the guy that played the part that I played 50 years earlier, the original Hank, mm-hmm. um, he was married to a woman that I worked with for a couple of decades on daytime. Robin Strasser was married to Lawrence Luckenbill. Lawrence Luckenbill played the original Hank. Mm-hmm. I played the Hank 50 years later and I lived in the townhouse that he lived in 50 years ago Wow! when I was in New York with my kids and and our nanny, because his ex-wife, Robin, still owns it, and I rented it from her. So it all came sort of full circle. But yeah, we got to go spend the summer in New York. I got to take the kids. The, they were great little urban dwellers. They loved the subway and the bus and yeah. the park, and we had an incredible time. Wow.
1: That was, uh, it was amazing to see a crowd see that play. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, it, you saw it as well. No. Oh, uh, it, it was there are moments that are really shocking. I mean, there's, there's language that we don't use anymore in it. There is, you know, it's, it's, there's a kind of um, self-regard of gay men that we don't see too often anymore. And it was, it was interesting watching it land.
2: Well, that play is sort of vilified. It's, it's thought of as these self-loathing group of gay guys. We're, we've, we're beyond that. Why revisit that? We've, we've come so far. Let's leave that, you know, in the past and and move forward. And I was kind of, of the same mind. I thought, why are we going to revisit that? We, 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 let's do new stuff. But, you know, Ryan Murphy said something not in the recent past. He said, he said the world doesn't have, the world needs more LGBT history. Yeah. It just does good or bad. We just need more LGBT history. And I agree with that. And, um, so we, um, There was also something, it was more than a play. I think you're right. There was, there was, it was nine out gay actors playing these roles. And, you know, at the, at the end of that play, when the nine of us come to the lip of that stage and hold hands and take a bow, it really did feel like we were sort of moving the needle maybe in the right direction because 50 years ago, um, nobody was out that was in that cast. You know, two thirds, three quarters of them were gay, but they couldn't be out. And even the guys that were straight that were in it, um, it affected their careers. They lost jobs. Um, and fortunately, you know, we're, we're standing on their shoulders. And our, my life is better having played that part. You know, it, it's kind of ironic that my life and career are better having played a character whose life was worse because he was gay. So thank goodness, you know, that we've made the strides that we have. Yeah,
1: I heard audible uh, gasps from the audience when I was there. It was
2: it that was. was really I think rude. that was when Bohmer was taking his clothes off in the shower.
1: That's definitely that is <laughs> sure.
2: that's for sure one of them. He does that in the movie also. Okay, <laughs> noted. There will be gasps right. for yeah, that as right. well.
0: Um, right. Let's take a quick break. We'll yeah.
1: And we're back. Are you refreshed? Sure. From re- okay, good. You bet. So uh okay, so Kansas City, St. Louis, Kansas City, then then where'd you go? At what point did you did you head west first? Go east.
2: After I graduated college, I knew I wanted to go to New York or LA. Uh-huh. I knew I wanted to be an actor, but I graduated with a degree in telecommunications because my dad paid for my college. And he thought, you know, maybe, maybe do something more practical. And I agreed. Uh, but I knew I wanted to give acting a shot and I thought I can struggle near the beach in a palm tree, or I can struggle in near the subway and that gutter juice that goes through the streets of New York. And so I thought, let's give LA a shot first. Sure. So I moved to LA and, uh, I had plenty of reasons to say this stinks, you know, being cut out of growing pains, being fired by Save by the Belt. Those are things that are indications that maybe you should be doing something else, right? But there really is a lot to be said for tenacity and for um, wanting it more than they don't want it for you. So uh, I was in L.A. for four years. My first big job was on One Life to Live. That moved me to New York. I was there for a couple of years. I said, that's enough. I'm going to go back to L.A. and become a movie star now. Uh-huh. Uh, so I did move back to L.A. I did not become a movie star. Um, but I did get some, some episodic work. And then I was a series regular on a Showtime series up in Canada for a show called Beggars and Choosers. I got to do the movie The Mummy
1: uh-huh.
2: over in um, Africa and, and England. And then there were a couple of years where I didn't work at all and thought it's over. So I called the soap opera and said, do you think I could come out of prison? Uh-huh. And they said, yeah. So I went back and I did the soap for about three years and I did Off-Broadway and then moved back out to LA again to become a movie star. That didn't happen again. Uh, but, um, you know, I've had, I've had lean years and I've had really good years. And I think I learned early on, and maybe it's fr- from being from Kansas City in, in St. Louis, that, um, I, I did sort of squirrel away my money. I didn't spend what I had. I, I, I did. I was, I'm always preparing for a rainy day and there have been plenty of rainy days. Um, so that I have been able to sort of weather the storm in a way. So when, when work comes and I'm flush with it and, you know, when I was in Kansas city for the last three years, I really went there thinking I'm going to change my life. Um, I, I was tired of being the most important person in my own life. And that's why I had kids through surrogacy. And so I thought, well, let's really put my money where my mouth is. Uh, let's leave Hollywood. Let's leave New York. Let's go home. Let's funnel my energy into raising these kids who were just three years old at the time. And I kind of got my feet back under me. And once my kids turned five, I felt like I was a contender again to re-enter the wild whether that's LA or New York, and right right now it's it's LA, um, and so you know it's just it's it's just another chapter. I, I think I've made so many decisions in my life, thinking the decision I'm going to make right now is going to be for the rest of my life. That's not really how it works, but it feels like it is when you're making that decision. Yeah. So I think I've just gotten a little bit better uh, being a dad. Uh, that the focus isn't on myself as much. And when the focus isn't on myself as much, I think I'm making better decisions.
0: You mentioned you came out later in life. Uh, how did that
2: go? Uh, Well, let's see. I was 23. I'm 53 now. And I was 23 when I did that. I say late <clears throat> only because um, it was after college. So it, it, at that time, it was kind of when guys my age kind of came out. We yeah. didn't really come out in high school or college like, like, people can and do now thank goodness um but it wasn't until i moved to la and i met some people that i felt like i identified with as opposed to the caricatures i saw on tv or the things i was afraid of um and i thought oh maybe i'm that and so um that's what I was able to sort of identify and think, okay, I think that's me. And so I I was able to come out. I was able to tell my sister and then tell my family. And then I started telling friends, but that was what, that was 30 years ago now.
0: Mm -hmm. And and were you always out professionally?
2: No. uh, I hesitate because I've never been In interpersonally, like if I ever met you or if you ever met me or if we ever worked together, you knew I was gay and I was open about it. But I I never told a reporter or went on a talk show to talk about it. And frankly, it was because I wanted to work. I was scared. Um, I was afraid that if I came out that I wouldn't get to be an actor. Mm -hmm. And I was more interested in being an actor and doing the things that I wanted to do than... um, then I guess stand up for myself. I don't know. It was, it was a, it was a hard time, but it wasn't, it also wasn't, um, I wasn't tortured. It, I did start to get tortured when I was playing a gay guy in Desperate Housewives, but I wasn't out. Hmm. I was out, you know, like I said to, to everyone around me, but I even remember, you know, I was doing an interview for USA Today and and the reporter said, <clears throat> well, you're gay, right? I mean, everybody knows that. And I said, "Well, no, I, I don't want you to know if I'm gay." And I thought, oh, "Why did I say that?" Mm. And um, that opened a whole, you know, can of worms. That I thought, "That's that's not the right road. That's not the truth." Um, and so th- th- there's just also this sort of double standard where, unless you have a platform to come out, if you if 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 you try to come out, but no one's giving you the opportunity. It, it looks like a publicity stunt. And I was, I was asked to be on the Marie Osmond show to talk about being a dad and a project I was doing. And I said, I said, yes, but I want, I specifically want to come out. And they said, you want to come out on the Marie Osmond show? And I was like, and I thought I'm running out of opportunities. Right. And, and so I, I, I did. And um, I think it was because I didn't want to be a, a dad to these kids who had a hard time telling the truth about who he was. And frankly, it, it it was long overdue, but it was just, it was a stain on me. I come from a generation where it was so hard to do that. It was so hard to do that as an actor and, and still want to play James Bond. You know, I always wanted to play James Bond. And there's no way they're going to hire a, a gay James Bond. I mean, if you think about it now... They sure might mm-hmm. now. But a long time ago, or not that long ago, they, they weren't going to. So it, it was um it was a rocky road for me. Um but you know, if everything does happen for a reason and we do it when we're ready, I think if someone had forced me out earlier, it wouldn't have gone well for me. It wouldn't have gone well for the quote unquote the cause. Mm-hmm. Um but uh I, I really feel fortunate that I've been able to um like I kind of recently I've really only played gay guys. Hmm. And you know, if people think, well, you're gonna be pigeonholed, you can only play gay guys now. Well, that's you know, to quote Andrew Reynolds he said, Well, that's to assume that there's only one way to play a gay guy. Right. And there's so many different kinds of uh gay guys, which is which is true. And um so it's 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 just been this whole I think it's I, – I envy people who are half my age who don't trouble themselves with this the way that I did and I think people in my generation did. I really envy that and applaud them.
1: Because you can – I mean, what we didn't have in the 90s was, uh, was social media and a way to, like, kind of cultivate your own sort of image yeah. that goes out into the world. As you said, if you wanted to come out, you needed – somebody to amplify that message mm-hmm. which is a weird thing so it has to be an announcement
2: yeah. rather than just a part of you yes yeah, like we mm-hmm. weren't in control of it we, right. we we had to be given opportunities and uh, if, if you were just on the street corner or screaming about it it it, it seemed like you were uh, doing it for the wrong reason somehow or you know I've, I've never been quite able to reconcile what's the right way to do it what, what was right for me what wasn't but um, I did get to where I am now and I am a pretty happy, successful guy. Um, and, uh, I, I think it's because I've, I've learned a lot from the people who came before me.
1: Uh, so what was college like for you? Uh, sort of in, in the, I mean, not, not, not even in the closet, just sort of pre-aware.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. I was in love with my best friend in college. Um, which was torturous. Yeah. Um, he was aware of it. I told him, um, and he couldn't have been cooler about it. He's still probably one of my three best friends today. Wow. Um, and you know, I was saying to him recently, I said, "Man, you're a really good friend. I put you through the ringer, and you stuck around." I said, and I even said, "Why did you do that? Why did you? Why would? You, why did you deal with this guy?" And he said, "I liked you. You're fun." And, you know, sort of discredit ourselves. Like we're <laughs> yeah. the worst people in the world. Sure. There's a cloud over us Well, yeah. no one can love us. Um, but uh, you, what I regret about, I loved college. I loved going to college. I had so much fun. Um, I wish I had studied architecture. I think that might've taken me down a path that would have been really fulfilling. Mm. Um, but uh, I do feel like things like joining a fraternity um were things that kept me from learning who I really was. So in a sense, it, it stunted my growth. I think if I had actually um, either not gone to college and went straight into being an actor in LA or New York, or if I had uh, sort of open doors that would have led to a place where I knew myself a little bit better, a little bit sooner, I'd be that much further up the pyramid towards self-actualization, you know, But at the same time, I, I had a really good time. I, I, I made good friends. Um, I, I learned a lot. I, I, am so glad I have a background in, in theater that I can draw on when I'm doing TV and film. Um, I'm, I'm, I was in the library in Burbank today reading Harold Pinter. Hmm. I don't think I would have done that if I hadn't learned who that guy was in college. Mm-hmm.
1: So this best friend in, uh, in college, how, how did you, were you, what was your relationship like?
2: Uh, let's see. I, um, here's what it was for me. I think in high school and college, I didn't, I didn't think I was gay, but I thought, but what I did want is I wanted to be just like the people I was attracted to. Sure. So this guy who was my best friend, I wanted to be like him. He, he would wear, um, two pairs of socks and he would wear two shirts at the same time. And I started doing that. Sure. Um, I started uh liking the food that he liked. I um just wanted to be around him. And I'm sure everyone around me thought, Tuck's in love with that guy. Yeah. And they were right. But I didn't think that a- at the time. Um so it was it was a but it, 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 it's the same thing back back in fourth grade, I think about I wasn't sexually interested in my best friend in fourth grade, but I sure liked the way his puka puka shell necklace looked on him. Uh And I remember thinking that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So it's funny how we, we take these things that we can go back and look at and go, well, these are, these are clear indications of who I was, but we put them into a category to make it okay so that we can keep, you know, moving forward. Right.
0: And so then when you're in your 20s and you're um, in L.A. and you're out in your personal life, how what's dating like?
2: Well, I went to the same bar every Friday night and the same bar every Saturday night. And I thought if I didn't go home with a different person each time, then I was a failure. What yeah. bar? Well, let's see. Friday nights, it was Studio One, which is now, I think, the factory over oh, on Robertson in Santa Monica. Oh, wow. Um, I wore my uh, white Velcro high tops, my beach jam pants. Yes. Tucked them into my high tops. Yes. Um I was a terrible dancer, but you know, you drink enough tequila and everybody's a good dancer. Mm-hmm. Um and then Saturday night was Catch One, which is down at San Vicente. Oh, yeah. And there's a roller skating rink down there. Oh wow. Yeah. Um and so dating, yeah, I I um I've had I've had I would say four loves in my life. Mm-hmm. And the first one was when I first moved out here to LA and it was um, two weeks of bliss and then two years of torture. (laughs)
0: Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it was fun. I didn't come out of the closet. I was shot out of a cannon from the closet when I, when I moved to LA and it was great. It was necessary. It had obviously been a long time in the coming, um, because I, um, I really did sort of catapult out. Um, I remember, I remember hearing about what this thing called West Hollywood was when I lived in the Midwest. And I thought, I can't wait to get to that place. It sounds like Nirvana. Mm -hmm. And I sort of treated it like Nirvana for a long time. You know, I drank and partied and had a great time and attempted relationships and um, learned through the whole thing and um, fortunately survived it. And, and then, okay. So then you would go to New York. You were Mm -hmm. back and forth in New
1: York. Mm -hmm. Same basic idea.
2: Yeah, same thing, yeah. different coast. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, New York was uh, a lot of fun. You know, all those nooks and crannies you can get into. And yeah. it feels anonymous in a really great way. Yeah. Um, I loved, I've lived in New York, I think three times. I love it. I'd like to live there again. But now with my kids, <clears throat> I um, I do feel like I've grown up. I don't feel like I know it all. But I do feel like I, I live differently now. I'm really glad the way that I live differently. I still... Um, um, so when I, when I go back to a place like New York or when I, when I, if I live in New York again, it will be in a different way. Yeah. Um, you know, I was 46 when I had my kids and I thought I want the, the second half of my life to be about them because the first half was all about me and it it was fun. But, you know, when we think of ourselves, it's just sort of a road to thinking what you don't have as opposed to, and, um, I think I'm just, um. I don't know that I'm happier with kids. I just feel like I, um, I kind of right size the world a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I enjoy things. I am better at staying sort of in the present, as I've always told we're, we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live, you know, in the present. I never really knew what that meant or how to do it, and I think I'm better at doing that with through my kids. And since you, since
0: you have been a single dad since they were born, is it? Um,
2: Complicated to date, to get into a relationship? Yeah, it was actually, um, in a word, impossible. Right. Um, as a single dad with babies, not knowing what I was doing, uh, I had just gotten out of, rela- of a relationship about a year prior uh, with my partner of 12 years. Oh, wow. And so after my kids were born, I went, I, I got on Tinder, I signed up for Tinder, mm-hmm. and I, I went on the same tinder date eight different times with eight different guys mm-hmm. and that was one lap around Runyon canyon and a cup of coffee at the coffee bean on sunset yeah because i don't like sitting there at a two top and being locked into that where you're that forced perspective with right. someone where you you know talking about where you came from i like to see how a guy moved and what, what's he smell like and you know you know i like a little sweat you know that kind of thing uh-huh. and it was no one's fault but the people that you meet on Tinder in those pictures are never the people that show up, are they? And I'm sure I'm the same way. Um, there's something about meeting someone in person that makes you think, y- yes, I'm interested, or no, I'm not. When you're just, meeting, when you're just seeing pictures, mm-hmm. for me, it never just really worked out. So I did about eight of those, and I thought, this, this, isn't, this is not, not right now. Yeah. And I was overwhelmed. And so I just kind of put that on the back burner. And I never intended to be a single person dad but that's what it was for uh the first long time and it's only it's only recently that um that has that's changed
1: so you're seeing someone now
2: uh yeah i've um i've been um um i have been and i I haven't talked about it so it, it feels a little well it's new i guess um but i started seeing someone in um from the boys in the band last summer when we were doing the play and then um that sort of got reuni- reignited when we started doing the movie. And um, I think the world of him and his name's Andrew Rannells. Uh,
0: okay. Yeah. We yeah. think the world of him too. Yeah. Yes, we do.
1: Yeah. Um, um, so, I mean, you spend a good 30 minutes of the last, like the last 30 minutes of that play smooching <laughs> in the background.
2: Well, yeah. The, at, at the end of that play, we go up the stairs and we, we lay in bed together while Jim Parsons acts his heart out down there on the, in the main stage. And, um, people always said, what are you guys doing up there? And what I always wanted to say was exactly what you think we're doing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, we, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we didn't even really date last summer. We were in a play eight times a week right? and we played partners. We played boyfriends in the play. So, um, it's not like we started going to dinners and museums together and, you know, holding hands on the West Side Highway. Um, it just started to get more and more intimate. And um, it was it was and is really nice. And
0: has he met the kids?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. How's that? Um, well, my son makes it very easy. My, my son, uh, greets everyone with a smile and a hug. And he's so happy you're there. Mm. My daughter, however, can be a little more difficult. And she will say things to Andrew, like you're here again, or when are you going home? And, uh, but she always does it with a bit of a twinkle in her eye, So I think she gets away with it. And what I what I tell Andrew is when he's not there, she's constantly talking about him. She's mm-hmm. always asking, does he like this? Is he like that? Will he do that? Because he, he gave her a ponytail once. Mm-hmm. And I said, I can't do that. I, I, will, I will try to do it. But when I've tried to do it, you cry. She said, well, Andrew can do it. And I said, well, next time Andrew's over here, maybe he can give you a ponytail. Nice.
1: So you guys are both yeah. in the public eye.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and you're kind of te- you're – you're – beginning to be out about the relationship. Is that a, that a conversation you've had to
2: have or? Um, yeah. Uh, he, um, we, we just, we actually, we talked about it er earlier this week because his, his publicist, uh, said, I just got an email asking to confirm that that you and Tucker dating. What do you want me to do? And I said, well, I'm about to go to this podcast where they talk about sex and love and dating. And I'm not sure how I can, I said, I want to be uh, I want to honor your privacy, but at the same time, I would like to scream at the mountaintops how how much I care for you. And he said, well, um, I'm um, uh, going to tell my publicist to say, yeah, and you can go say whatever you want on the air. So I think it's, it's, it's new. Uh, I'm not trying to be coy. It just feels... Um, Uh, it's just, it's,
0: you haven't had that much practice talking about it because it's so new. Yeah. 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 And there is that
1: layer of complexity. I mean, other people are involved. Publicists are involved.
2: Right. I mean, I, I, the last time I dated an actor, I was in my twenties and I remember thinking when I was over one actor per family, please. (laughs) Um, so it kind of breaks a rule in a sense, Mm -hmm. but you know, I got to say one of the things that I really like about Andrew, um, is that I don't feel like he and I occupy the same space most of my, um, previous relationships, we were about the same age. We were sort of the same type. Um, and we, we unintentionally competed for the same space mm-hmm. and it just, we butted heads unintentionally, but it was there nonetheless. And I, I feel like, um, I, I feel like my, my, the, the, the way I interact with Andrew is, is very complementary, and, um, uh, I, I like what he is and what he offers and what he's good at, and there are things that that I am not good at. And I rather than re, I'm not jealous of it, nor do I try to be it. I I appreciate it, and I think when I was younger, I couldn't do that. Hmm. I think that's more of a function of experience and age.
0: Right. And now you're going to be working together again.
2: Yes. Black Monday. <clears throat> yes. We we're we're doing Black Monday. I'm I'm playing his love interest on season two of Black Monday, so. Who knows? Maybe we'll be a uh, Lunt and Fontaine or
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor without, <laughs> hopefully without all the without screaming. The <laughs>
1: yeah. I have to get back to this, that uh, the, the last chunk of the boys in the band, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, you're in silhouette,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: You're kind of just getting to know each other,
2: right? You mean the two actors are getting yeah. to know each other? Yeah. Well.
1: Uh yeah, you and Andrew were just kind of getting to know each other. Did did a spark happen like on stage?
2: Um let's see what I don't know what happened because we, we 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 started out. It was very professional. I remember immediately thinking, I really appreciate how um, affectionate he is. Yeah. He was just con- he's very kind. He's affectionate to everyone he works with, and and not in a weird like he wants to kiss everybody affectionate way. He just he he put me at ease. I yeah. feel like he puts people at ease that are in his his presence. Um, he um, he he made me feel good about myself. Um, that kind of affection. And, uh, yet in the play, he and I are fighting the whole time. And it would be funny because people would say, Oh, you guys have such great chemistry. And I thought, how do you see our chemistry? All we do is fight in, in the play. How do you, how do you see any chemistry? And someone said, well, at curtain call, you guys are holding each other's hand. I said, we are. <laughs> and the truth is it, it at the curtain call, he and I come from upstairs and the stage goes dark and he, he would go down the steps and he would reach his hand back up the stairwell to grab mine, to help me come down so that I wouldn't, you know, fall down the stairs. But when the lights came up, we continued holding each other's hand when we didn't have to. And I didn't, I don't think I was aware of that until I saw photos online of us holding hands where we didn't have to hold hands. Hmm. And I think somehow it introduced the fact to me that, I think maybe I like him hm in a um I don't know it, it, it um in an off stage kind of way I guess so yeah, in an off stage kind of way yeah. and it's such an intense
0: play, and I would imagine that it has bonded you and the other actors that you're not dating also in you know for life, and after doing the play and you just wrapped the movie, was it hard to say goodbye?
2: It was, but, you know, the nine of us are on a text thread together. Mm -hmm. So we're constantly sending silly little jokes and making each other feel dumb and things like that. But um, recently there was a picture of Brian and Charlie uh, together. They ran into each other at the gym in -hmm. New York and they took a picture and they put it on the thread. And I I made a comment that when two of us are uh, together, it feels like we're all assembled. Mm -hmm. And there is, it does feel that way. I mean, it did kind of feel like this, these nine, Like it kind of felt like the justice league. It felt like we were all wearing a, a cape and we all had a different superpower or something. And, and like, we were out, you know, fighting for justice. And like, we're here, we're queer. Um, and so, you know, in, in a year we'll do press for the movie. We'll all come back together. Um, we're constantly back and forth to New York Um, And it was more difficult to say goodbye after the play a year ago because we didn't know the movie was coming up. And now that we've done the movie, we got even closer. And so when that came to a conclusion, I think we all realized we're not going to see each other a lot, but there is a shorthand that I think we've developed with each other. And because of the way our phones work and social media works, we're kind of right there with each other. Mm. And if one of us does something silly in the press, we're the first to call each other on it.
1: Right. Now you mentioned the, the, the movie kind of rekindled things for you and Andrew. What, what, what did you guys do between the play? And well, that?
2: I went back to Kansas city.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, not knowing what I was going to do. Yeah. I, I knew I, I wanted to move to LA or, or New York, but wasn't sure what I was going to do. He went to LA to do the first season of black Monday, but he lived in New York and it was just kind of like this unknown, like, what are we going to do? So we just, it just kind of, I guess, naturally dissolved a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then in May, when I was out here doing a pilot, uh, and he was out here for, for some stuff, um, we had sort of, we had sort of receded to just sort of check it in on each other here and there. But when he knew I was out here doing this pilot, he said, can I take you on a date? And you know, I, the, the trumpets blared and the clouds parted. And I was like, yes, yes. And, um, it just kind of went from there i think we were trying to be um adults about it yeah and uh you know if if i'm going to put my money where my mouth is about the second half of my life is putting my children first then it's going to be i'm not going to make decisions like uh where's my i'm not going to put my love life first and what i found with andrew is i i don't have to um he um he very naturally um, is sort of a self-starter around around my kids, uh, and not in a way that feels like, oh I, I want the guy who I like, I want his kids to like me." Mm. It doesn't feel like that. He's not like the baroness from the sound of music. <laughs> you know He's not, he's not, <laughs> he's not that person. Um, it just kind of it just has been happening really naturally in in a really terrific way. That's great. Where'd you go on your date? The, we went to, uh, it's, it's on the, um, it's in Burbank, the mark. Oh, actually I think it's called the market street cafe. It's in downtown Burbank Uh because I was staying at a hotel in Burbank. So he came over and we went to the market street cafe. Um, and then we were actually walking by there last week and we thought, oh, let's go in there and have dinner again. And it said closed permanently. So (laughs) (laughs) we closed that place down. It was not, it's, it was not a remarkable restaurant sure. by any means yeah but it was a remarkable evening it's
1: oh, beautiful
0: um this was a remarkable conversation <laughs> thank you thank you so much for for being here and so we have to wait till next year for the movie
2: yeah you know i think netflix has things lined up in yeah. such a way that they're that far out and um do we know how far out I'm I'm told it's October of twenty twenty, so we have God. over a year okay. to wait. So right. um until then you can you can rent the original Boys in the Band mm-hmm. from nineteen seventy. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, uh Black Monday is on the second season. You can you can watch the first season with Andrew in it right now. Um him and Don Cheadle and Regina Hall.
0: And Paul shear who's right over there oh, he's like
2: sitting parallel to you in the other studio he's like the funniest guy in the world he's the best um, and then so season two that we're shooting right now will come out next spring can't wait great Talk, Talk, thank you so thank much you. thanks you guys